Hello, fellow Freedom Likers. Welcome to a Legally Drunk mini-episode, where our motto is... Are you a good lawyer, Andrew? I'm an excellent lawyer. What makes you an excellent lawyer? I love the law. Jakey Bird is flying solo with you here today. I wanted to give a quick update on the Trump election lawsuits, because I'm a loser and I find them endlessly fascinating. For these mini-episodes, which I believe Lou and I will be doing a lot more of in the future, instead of a full-fledged beer review, we'll be taking a shot and looking at liquor. So for this episode, I'll be reviewing some tried-and-true Jersey Spirits Distilling Company Crossroads Bourbon Whiskey. So stick around till the end for that. Yesterday, I was listening to Giuliani and other Trump attorneys like Sidney Powell present their election fraud arguments to the media. If you want any indication of how that went, There's a viral clip of Tucker Carlson completely disavowing Powell's claims. Her claim, from what I was able to follow, is that the number of votes for Donald Trump was so overwhelming that it actually broke the voting machine's algorithm and switched Trump votes to Biden votes. Now, this has nothing to do with Powell's legal credentials, but Business Insider also reported that she's a QAnon supporter, so make of that what you will. Also, bear in mind that the Department of Homeland Security announced that this election was, quote, the most secure in American history, end quote. Of course, Trump fired the DHS director, Chris Krebs, just days after the department issued that statement. It can be difficult to follow a lot of what Trump's attorneys say, and that's not because they're smarter than you. It's because They're making no sense. In the media and in the court, they keep flip-flopping between a calculated conspiracy to steal the election and good-faith mistakes that lead to inaccuracies in the vote count. The latter of which there are actually limited amounts of evidence for. For example, in Georgia, during the recount, they discovered about 1,200 uncounted ballots that largely went for Trump. While this did shrink Biden's lead, this was not even close to the amount of votes that would be required to swing the election. This does play right into Giuliani's hands, however. When attacked on his claims, he often falls back on the line, how much fraud is okay? Almost nobody would argue that 1,200 uncounted votes is okay despite them not factoring into the outcome. However, this is a question I find myself struggling with, as yes, I do believe one, or two, or ten votes are so inconsequential, that level of fraud is okay. However, this begs a larger question that points to the Trump attorney's total lack of nuance. The 1,200 ballots that weren't counted, that wasn't by an act of fraud. There were no criminal acts or concerted efforts to cover up those votes. The fact that they weren't counted was simply an honest, if not sizable, mistake, as far as we know to this point. But this is why we have audits and have recounts. It was not the Trump legal team that discovered these ballots. It was the Georgia election volunteers So maybe the answer to Giuliani's question is, no amount of fraud is okay. 
but there is a level of good faith election error that's acceptable. I bring this up because there are these things lawyers have to know called the Federal Rules of Civil Procedure. Learning them is basically what makes the first year of law school a living hell. Now, what the Trump legal team says to the media almost doesn't matter because, sadly, it doesn't match what they say in court, as I've alluded to already. But what they do say in court has started to get me to think about a specific rule. Rule 11. Rule 11 governs sanctions against attorneys who, amongst other things, bring lawsuits that are not being presented for any proper purpose, such as to harass cause unnecessary delay, or needlessly increase the cost of litigation. Sounds familiar. Or, whose claims, defenses, and other legal contentions are not warranted by existing law or by a non-frivolous argument for extending, modifying, or reversing existing law, or for establishing new law. Again, sounds familiar. Or lastly, their factual contentions do not have evidentiary support, or, if specifically so identified, will not likely have evidentiary support after a reasonable opportunity for further investigation or discovery. If you watch that Tucker Carlson bit, this again should sound very familiar. To me, the Trump team seems to be in clear violation of this rule, and the attorneys defending the state against these cases should file sanctions against the Trump attorneys so that they have to pay fines for filing these suits and maybe prevent them from filing further lawsuits. I'll give a brief illustration of how Rule 11 has worked in the past because sanctions are in fact rare. The paradigmatic example we're given in school is this case where a few employees filed against DuPont. DuPont's plant in, I believe it was Virginia, but some southern state, said they were banning the display of Confederate flags at work, which included things like on shirts, on belt buckles, etc. An attorney brought suit with a group of employees alleging that white Anglo-Saxon Protestant Southerners were a protected class. This was apparently not the attorney's first time making a claim like this that was completely devoid of merit. So sanctions were filed against him. Now, according to Politico, Kenneth Gross, who is a leading election attorney and a partner at Skadden Arbs, claims that Trump attorneys are more likely to be sanctioned than to actually succeed on these claims. However, presently, I was not able to find any information on any of them actually being sanctioned. I also want to be clear about something. I have no problem with Trump filing lawsuits that he has evidence to back up. He actually did, to his credit, win one of his cases. However, this got ballots thrown out in Pennsylvania that were not actually set to be counted anyway. Nobody seems to have an actual count of how many suits have actually been filed by the Trump campaign, but Trump has one win, which quite literally did not sway the result at all, and at least a dozen losses. It begs the question why he bothers continuing, because even had he been successful in all of his suits, it does not seem that they would actually have changed the results of the election. 
Many speculate that it's because his campaign is in massive debt, which is a fact, and he can service part of that debt by soliciting donations to fund the lawsuits. According to Reuters, which does provide a lot of legal services and has a crack legal team, their investigation of the fine print of these Trump solicitations states one would have to donate over $8,000 in order to actually contribute money to Trump's legal fund. Any amount of money below $8,000 goes to Trump's super PACs and the RNC directly, both of which have declined to comment on how the money was being spent. I'm not someone who's quick to believe in shady dealings like these, but my rules are different for Trump, and I don't put even the wildest conspiracy theory past him anymore, and I think that's with good reason. To me, this is a completely plausible theory based on what we know about what was going on with the Trump Foundation, which I'll remind listeners was not pure speculation like the Clinton Foundation case, but which actually saw a court of law rule against Trump, disband the Trump Foundation, and bar both him and his family members from directing charitable organizations in the state of New York. He misused and appropriated funds that were given to him with the understanding that they would be used for charitable purposes. That's not speculation or a conspiracy theory, that's fact, and it's a matter of public record. We don't have hard evidence that the money he's soliciting is going to service his debt, or even if what he's doing is technically illegal. However, it's another chapter in a man's life who is totally devoid of ethics, and is quite possibly scamming his base for his personal enrichment and harming the entire country in the process. I'll leave you with that, and now we'll get to the bourbon. Alright, got that nice clear color in my Rick and Morty shot glass, and here we go. And wow, that was a strong, strong shot. That is burning. It's got that dehydrated uh, feel to it. Definitely a strong whiskey. 43.5% alcohol. Definitely not my favorite, but you know what? It's got some kick to it. I love the design of the bottle. It's got a nice um, little Revolutionary War, Valley Forge type vibe going on. New Jersey was the crossroads of the revolution. That's why it's the crossroads bourbon whiskey. And yeah, it definitely feels like a little bit of a shot to the gut from a cannonball, as is displayed on the cover. Uh, I would give this, if I had to give a rating... As far as bourbon goes, I'd probably give it a 5. It's about average. It doesn't do anything for me super exciting, but it is strong. It does pack a punch, which is exactly what I think a shot of bourbon or a shot of whiskey should do. So with that, guys, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the main episode this week, which is going to be about gun control, if you're interested. So stay tuned for that, and I'm out.